Secret number nine, fill your funnel with paid ads, buying your way in. Now that you've seen the overarching strategy for working your way in and getting free organic traffic, I now want to lay out the strategy for how to fill your funnels with paid ads. After you have an understanding of these two core principles, then we'll dive into each traffic platform, Instagram, Facebook, Google, and YouTube, and show you how to use both of these strategies to find your dream customers and bring them into your funnels. As you can probably tell, I spend the majority of my personal time working with my Dream 100, building and communicating with my list, and publishing content to build fans and followers. In fact, during the first 10 years of my companies, we didn't run any paid ads. We paid affiliates to promote our products and use a lot of growth hacks that you learn about in section number three. But we never actually paid for an ad. We were able to drive a lot of traffic with these methods, but there was never much consistency. We would set up a big promotion, drive a lot of traffic, make a bunch of sales. But after the promotion was over, our traffic would slowly dry up and we'd have to go back to the drawing board and create the next new offer to promote. It was a traffic roller coaster that lasted for years until one day I decided that I wanted off. I came into the office and told our small team that we had to figure out paid advertising so we could get off the traffic roller coaster and get more consistency in our marketing. I asked if anyone was interested in diving in and mastering Facebook and Google, and one person raised his hand and said yes. His name is John Parks, and he started the first division of our company focusing on paid ads. Initially, it was just him for a few years, but after he figured out the model and what worked for each network, he built a team that has been the backbone for the growth of ClickFunnels to where it is today. Adding paid ads into the strategies that you've been learning about is like adding lighter fluid to a pile of charcoal. You will get results faster on any funnel you want to promote and be able to more predictably control sales over the long term. Throughout this chapter, I'll be quoting John in a few sections, but it should be noted that everything I'm showing you here came from the methodologies that he pioneered within our company. As always, we'll be staying away from the exact tactics that often change and focus instead on the overarching strategy that will help you to build out your paid traffic plan. One thing John told me as we were mapping out this chapter was, while it's true that each advertising network has little intricacies and nuances that can take a while to get used to, and there are definitely tips and tricks that can incrementally improve your performances, the good news is that the strategy of advertising on these networks is the same. The specifics of the platform can be learned with online tutorials or they can be hired out, but the strategy needs to be understood by you, the entrepreneur, in order to succeed. What is my advertising budget? The number one question I get from people every time I start talking about paid ads is always related to how much money they'll need to budget to actually run ads. I always smile and tell them that if they've been following my advice so far and they've created a break-even funnel, then every dollar they spend in ads comes back to them immediately. If they have a funnel that's break-even or profitable, then they don't have an advertising budget. Their goal is to spend as much money profitably as possible because each dollar they spend turns into more dollars. Let me tell you a quick story to illustrate how this works. Recently, we launched a new front-end funnel at leadfunnels.com. It was a $7 report that had a $37 order form bump and a $100 one-time offer, or OTO. After the funnel was live, we wanted to test it to make sure it was working, that there were no technical issues, and that it actually was going to be profitable. So we created an initial advertising budget of $100. We started running Facebook ads, and within about a day, the $100 was spent. We then looked at the sales to see if we'd made at least $100. From our first ad spend, we ended up getting about 100 clicks, selling a $7 report. So $7 times 7 equals $49. Two people bought the order form bump, so $37 times 2 equals 74, and one person bought the $100 OTO. The total sales equal $223. After we subtracted our $100 ad cost, we had made $123. 
As you can see, this funnel no longer has an advertising budget. We'll keep running ads for as long as it stays profitable. If for some reason we lost money on this test, we would turn off the ads, rework the funnel, and then test again with another $100. I never like putting very much of my money at risk at any given time. So with each new funnel, as soon as it's live, we set up a few ads, give it a small test budget, and see what happens. The funnels that flop are sent back to the drawing board to get reworked, and the funnels that work are scaled to see how much money we can profitably spend. Prospecting ads versus retargeting ads. Before we start talking about ads, I need to take a minute to explain the difference between prospecting ads versus retargeting ads. Once you understand the difference between them and how they work together, we'll dive deep into how you use each of them together. John explained, prospecting ads are the act of reaching out into the networks to find cold traffic or people who aren't familiar with you or your offers and hook them long enough to get their attention. After we've gotten their attention and gotten them to engage with us, engage would mean they watched, liked, or commented on an ad, then we move them from the prospecting pool into the retargeting buckets. We then advertise to these people differently and we work to warm them up and to get them into our value ladder. John continued, let me give you an example of how these work together. Let's say you have a book about effective parenting that you'd like to sell. A prospecting ad would be the one that you run to a specific group of newlyweds who are likely new parents or soon to be, introducing them to the concepts from your book. As people engage with those ads, you'll be able to see which people are interested in what you have to say. A small percentage of those people will go and buy the book immediately, but the majority of them won't buy right then. It's those people who have engaged but not purchased who you would put into the retargeting buckets. Once they're in those buckets, we can warm them up, test other hooks, tell other stories, and remind them of the great offer that we've made to them in order to persuade them to click through and to go into the funnel. Step number one, create lots of prospecting ads to hook your dream customers. When we first started using paid advertising, we made the mistake of thinking that we needed to create a great ad, and if we got the ad right, it would bring in thousands of our dream customers. I would spend a ton of time trying to create the perfect hook, and then once we threw it into the ad networks, half the time it would fail. Other times it would work, but only for a little while. It was frustrating because I set my expectations wrong. After a few months, we ended up with a few dozen ads that were working, and then I shifted my focus to other things. John would get frustrated with me and ask me to take more pictures or make more videos that he could run his ads. I did a few every now and then, but for the most part, I just assumed that paid ads didn't work as well as I had hoped. A few months later, I called up my friend Dean Graciosi and we shared a few notes of what we were doing to sell our books and our coaching programs online. I had known who Dean was since I was a teenager. After all, I used to watch him on late night infomercials, first selling his Motor Millions product and later selling tons of different books on real estate. I was probably the only kid my age who'd sit up late at night and watch Dean while taking notes in my notebook about how he was pitching. I know, I know, I'm such a nerd, but it was amazing to see how good he was. As I started to grow my first company, Dean was one of the first people on my Dream 100 list. I still remember that awkward moment when we first met. I explained to him that when I was a teenager, I used to watch his infomercials and study how he sold. He laughed, and we've grown a mutual admiration for each other as we've gotten to know each other better. I've become so grateful for times when we had a chance to just brainstorm on what was working at the moment. Once when I was speaking to Dean on the phone, I started to brag, we're selling about 1,200 copies of our books each week through paid ads right now. But then I realized, I don't know how many books he was selling. How about you guys? We're about 5,000 a week right now. We've been holding steady at that number for the past few months, he replied. Whoa, that's more than four times what we're selling, I thought. Still talking to Dean on the phone, I shot a text to John to see what we were doing wrong and if he could tell if Dean was really selling that many. A few minutes later, I got a message back from John. 5,000? I see his ads everywhere, but there's no way they're buying more ads than us. Ask him what he's doing to sell that many. 
Dean and I talked a while longer, but I still couldn't identify how he was getting four times the sales volume that we were. At the end of our call, we decided that it would be best for me to fly out to spend a day with Dean and his team. That way I could show them some of the cool funnel stuff that we were doing, and they could show us a deep dive behind the scenes of what they were doing. A few weeks later, my team and I were on a plane, flying to Arizona, excited to see if we could figure out how to multiply our book sales four times over. Once both of our teams were gathered around a conference table, we showed them our best stuff, and then they opened up and let us look into their ads account. At first, it was hard to find the needle in the haystack. Their ads looked similar to ours, and the targeting looked similar too. It seemed like we had the same strategy, and then we saw it. Something we almost overlooked and couldn't have known at the time looking from the outside in. Dean and his team were running four times more creative, or ads, than us. How many ads are you guys running, I asked. Lots, Dean said. They had me make a few new ads each day. Each day? Yeah, throughout my day, I carry my book with me, and every time I find a cool spot, I pull out my phone and I make a new ad. Here's one of my daughter's softball game. Here's another one at the house. Here's one at the airport. And this is one I went out to dinner. I couldn't believe that this was the big secret. More creative, more hooks, more ads. When you're thinking about prospecting ads, you're looking at a huge ocean of people, all who need your product or your service, but all who have a different reason why. If you try to create just one hook, it may last for a while and grab the people who are looking for that hook, but it will dry up very fast. You've got to become prolific at creating ads. The phone in your pocket will become your ad-making, creative-generating, hook-developing machine. Everywhere you go, you should be looking for opportunities to record a pitch for your offers that you can then turn into an ad. After leaving Dean's office that day, we learned the gold nuggets we needed to take our advertising and our company to the next level. My guess is that if you're reading this book, you probably saw one or more of the hundreds of creative that I made with my phone selling this book and the entire Secrets Trilogy. You've probably seen the same thing with me selling ClickFunnels, our coaching, and just about everything else that I'm part of. The more creative you can put into the prospecting oceans, the more fish, your dream customers, you're going to be able to pull out. Targeting for prospecting ads. The next step after you made your creative is to figure out who to show it to. John explains, Dream 100. The best place to start is your Dream 100 list for that platform. When you're running ads on Facebook and Instagram, you can target people who have an interest in a certain thought leader, brand, or celebrity. You'll find many, but probably not all, of your Dream 100's following targetable in this way in the Ads Manager. For YouTube, you can specify that you like your ads to show up in front of your Dream 100's videos, both individually or their channel as a whole. Ideal Customer Avatar Second on your targeting list is your ideal customer avatar. Think about their interests, their age, their career, their home life, and anything else you can identify. Most of these ad platforms will allow you to get pretty specific on who you want to show your ads to. Overlapping sections of multiple audiences. Some ad networks let you get more specific in targeting your audiences by layering on multiple criteria and then just targeting the overlapping sections. Think of three overlapping circles, each representing one of the audiences above, and then imagine a center area where they all overlap. The center area represents the sweet spot where your dream customer is most likely to be. An example of this would not just be targeting Tony Robbins' followers in one campaign, business owners in another, and women between the age of 35 and 55 in a third campaign, but instead to have one campaign that requires the viewer to be all three of those categories in order to show them your ads. Being smart with your audiences and layering them can really bring your costs down and improve your results. Algorithms. The last thing, and honestly where the networks are working towards, is for you to rely on the algorithms to do a lot of the legwork for you. You see, once you have a few hundred people engaging with your posts, clicking through your funnels, and becoming leads and buyers, you've generated a pool of data. 
you've begun to prove exactly who it is that's responding to your advertising efforts. The platform algorithms can work with that data and actually start lending a hand in your targeting efforts. In Google and YouTube, they're called similar audiences. And in Facebook and Instagram, they're called lookalike audiences. In both cases, you decide which bucket to use as the source. The algorithm then looks deep into who those people are and then matches up others in your specified geographic range with who are most similar to them and thus most likely to care about what you have to offer. 80-20 rule for prospecting. One thing to note when running prospecting ads is that these type of ads are the most expensive, but they are vital for two reasons. First, it's through prospecting that you find out who is actually responding to your ads, so your targeting becomes more on point, which brings your costs down. Second, it's prospecting that fills your retargeting buckets. If you stop prospecting, you'll soon find yourself with no one to retarget to. Here's a word of warning from John before you start running your first prospecting ads. I've been coaching small business owners and entrepreneurs for many years on their paid traffic. One thing I consistently come up against is business owners who think it's too expensive to make sales using ads. If they're too hasty, they'll prematurely turn their advertising campaigns off. I've found, though, that if they'll understand how the 80-20 rule applies to ads, they'll better know what to expect. When you put up your first ads, they're almost always going to a colder audience, a group of people who don't know you and don't know what you have to offer. It'll always be more expensive and less efficient to advertise to this crowd. But when you're getting started, you have no other choice. Results will come slower with these prospecting efforts and costs to get a lead or a sell will be much higher, sometimes even so high that you're losing money to begin with. In fact, don't be surprised if you spend 80% of your advertising budget in this category and it only generates 20% of your results. But if you hold strong, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You see, while one purpose of the prospecting campaign is to generate some leads and sales up front, the bigger purpose is to fill all your retargeting audiences, which include your social followings and lists. As people begin to engage with your ads, they may subscribe and follow you, which you don't have control over, as well as being added to specific retargeting audiences, which you do have control over. It's from these new followers and retargeting audiences that you'll often see 80% of your results while only using 20% of your budget. As you use both of these strategies in tandem, you can make the sales you want at the cost you want and grow your business effectively. Step number two, use retargeting funnels to create customers. As you've been spending money on prospecting ads to find your dream customers, the cream off the top has probably already come and purchased your products. However, there are so many people who would likely buy if they just had a little extra nudge. In secret number six, we talked about the power of following up with your prospects through follow-up funnels using their email address. But what about all the people who watched your videos or came to your funnels but don't give you their email addresses? How do you follow up with all of them? The answer is through retargeting ads. Here's an example from John to show you how this works. Let's say you spend $2,000 on ads. From that, you get 100,000 people to actually see your ad. The ad performs well, and 4% of these people engage with the ad. That's 4,000 people. And 2% of the original 100,000 click the link in the ad and go to your funnel. That's 2,000 clicks. Of these people, 30% of them give you their email address. That's 600 leads. And 10% become buyers. That's 60 buyers. That leaves 3,940 people who engaged with your ad but didn't become a lead or a buyer. While you're never able to capture everyone's attention, you can in fact reach a lot more. How? This is where retargeting comes in. Since your efforts to reach people only resulted in a tiny fraction buying, you need specific campaigns in place to reach back out to those who are a good fit but just didn't take action or enough action for whatever reason. In order to do this properly, you need to build custom audiences. There are three specific audiences that are essential to a high-performing retargeting plan. Each is based on how far a viewer gets along on the customer journey. 
Audience number one, engaged. The first audience you'll want to build is an audience based on viewers who have engaged with you. Did they watch your YouTube video this week? Did they watch one of your prospecting ads and make a comment recently? These people interacted with your posts but never left the platform to pursue your offer. While they have made a minor commitment to you, it's nothing serious. These people are worth some continued ad dollars, but not too much or for too long. I tend to run an ad to this audience for up to five days. If they haven't visited my landing page by that point, I let them fall out of the audiences and return to the prospecting pools from whence they came. Maybe I'll hook them again in the future and they'll pop back into my retargeting buckets, or maybe I'll never see them again. Audience number two, landed. The second audience you'll want to build up is made up of people who clicked through and landed on your page. These people took a bigger commitment, left the platform, and visited your sales funnels. While they trusted you with their curiosity and visited your page, they didn't take any further action by opting in or purchasing. I tend to run ads to this audience for up to seven days trying to get them to come back and take me up on the lead magnet. Again, if they don't opt in or buy within seven days, I just let them fall out of this audience. Audience number three, owned. The third type of audience you'll want to have is made up of those people who did take your lead magnet and those who purchased. These people have made a large commitment and have entrusted you with their email address and credit card numbers in exchange for your goods. This is the traffic that you now own and it becomes very useful and lucrative in many different ways. Not only are they now on your follow-up funnel sequences, but they also are a prime candidate for seeing ads for your next offer or an offer one step up your value ladder. Unlike prospecting ads where I'm making new creative as often as possible, with your retargeting campaigns, you're focusing on creating them once and you'll never have to touch them again. That's similar to your soap opera sequences inside of your follow-up funnels that you write once and it lasts forever. As we move people through the retargeting buckets, we use the same three closes you learned about earlier, starting with emotion, then moving to logic, and ending with fear, urgency, and scarcity. That is how we pull people into action throughout our retargeting campaigns. In order to implement retargeting, you have to place a pixel, a block of tracking code, on your sales funnels. This is a simple copy and paste procedure that allows the networks to see how far along the customer journey your viewer got. This is important for two reasons. First, it provides feedback for you on what's working and what's not, what's converting these prospects into traffic that you own and what isn't, so you can pivot in either your targeting or your messaging. It also provides feedback for the algorithm to learn and optimize advertising efforts along with you. Second, the pixel is what allows us to put viewers into the different audience categories, so we'll know when to put specific ads in front of them. To summarize, effective retargeting has at least three audiences, engaged, landed, and owned. And the end goal should be based on the type of audience that the ad is targeted to. Engaged, sell the click. Tell the network you want to collect custom audiences of everyone who has interacted with your posts in the last five days. To this audience, you want to show an ad with the hook and a story that sells the click. Landed, sell them the opt-in or purchase. Tell the network you want to collect a custom audience of everyone who's clicked through your landing pages in the last seven days. To this audience, you want to show them an ad with the hook and a story that sells the opt-in or purchase. Owned, sell the next step. Tell the networks you want to collect a custom audience of everyone who has converted into a lead and or a sell. To this audience, you want to either offer another front-end product or walk them up to the next step on your value ladder. To understand this better, think of people as moving on certain conveyor belts. While they're on a specific conveyor belt, they're shown the ad appropriate to them. You're hoping that they take the hook and find themselves in a new audience on the subsequent conveyor belt. If they don't take the hook, they move off that particular belt and find themselves back in your prospecting pool awaiting the next hook that intrigues them. The lowest hanging fruit in the advertising world is running ads to your subscribers, followers, and ever-growing lists that you own. 
And while only a third of the emails you send out may get open, you can always run ads to your list, often reaching those who didn't originally open emails and greatly increasing your overall conversions from these lists. What I've outlined here is a very effective strategy that will work on Google, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as all other ad platforms. There are many different tactics and little things you can do to increase your ad's effectiveness, but by following the strategy outlined here, you can always be sure that you're hitting the right people at the right time with the right message.